Right. Well, thank you all for joining us in worship this morning. It's always great to lift up the Lord. And I appreciate you, Pastor, for giving us these opportunities to study, share the word, let that stream flow through us. So I'm glad that we all have an opportunity to let that stream flow through us with neighbors, coworkers, everyone around us. So um, I have prayed that God would speak through me to all of us today. So with that, I'd like to open up while we're still standing to Philippians 2, 14 through 17. It says, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of life. Can everyone say that with me? Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that it would be in our hearts and it would be something that we hold tightly to. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today, I want us to note this phrase, holding fast the word of life. Has anyone ever tied up a boat? Well, it kind of depends on if the boat stays there, if you've got the right size rope, or if you tie it to something that's secure. Otherwise, it's going to float away, and you might not see your boat again. So holding fast the word of life, holding fast is being tethered to just like the boat to the dock. It's got to hold fast to that dock during a storm or it's, it's going to go bye-bye. And the, the word, the word is the solid and reliable structure that it's tethered to. So just like in the, the dock, a solid dock, if you've got one of those rickety, you know, cheap, hand-me-down, you know, just falling apart dock, it, it might pull the dock right along with it and then just get floated away. So the, we need something solid to secure to, and that's what the word is. It's solid and it's reliable. And what's the result? It's the word of life. So if you're tethered to the word, you're going to have life. That is the truth. So I was thinking about the word of life and it's something that I realize is extremely foundational because, and this really works into uh, what we learned at Spirit Life about purpose and identity. I found that my purpose and my reason for living is really founded in the Word of God. And I find that the responsibilities that I have as a man, I can find what those are in the Word. I read and I say, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be. Oh, I'm supposed to do this. This is my role, that's my identity, and this is my purpose. I'm supposed to do these things. And so the Word of God is our source, it's our foundation, and we need to be tied to it. So the, uh, the thing is, if you're tied to something, you want to make sure it's solid. You want to make sure you're not tied to something that could float away. And so today we're going to look into how reliable the Word of God really is and that you can hold on to it. So my goal is for us to understand two things. One is that the Word of God is reliable, and two, that we must 
trust God's word. So it's reliable. It is, the Bible is truth. And as we trust in it, we also need to obey because obedience to God's word brings life. So why was the Bible written, do you think? So the accuracy of the Bible is really important. And before we jump right into that, think about why the Bible was written. It's what good is a document if there's no reason or use for it? Well, the reason it's written is because we need it. And think about this with me. Humans are the only creation made in the image of God. We are created with his spiritual likeness, his moral likeness, and his intellectual likeness. People are the only ones to appreciate beauty. So animals don't embrace art or music the way people do. And people have been given a moral conscience. We have a sense of what's right and wrong. So we are created in the image of God. And why? In order for us to have a relationship with God. If we couldn't relate to him, if we weren't made in his image, we wouldn't be able to have that connection. And to have a relationship with God, we need to be able to communicate with him. And that's where the word of God comes into place. For us to have a relationship, we were made in his image and given his word. So God speaks through his word in a manner which no other book can. If we were to give direction to humanity, sorry, if God were to give direction to humanity in an unambiguous, accurate, and permanent form preserved throughout history, then written communication is the best method. So to initiate the communication needed to have a relationship with us, God gave us his word, how? By inspiring men to record what he told them. And we can see that in 2 Peter 1.21. It says, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So there were holy men that wrote the Bible. They are the writers. I believe there's 32 writers of the Bible. But the Holy Spirit of God is the one author of the Bible. Several authors, one writer. Think about this. If the Bible isn't the Word of God, how could we possibly explain its origin? Would the devil have inspired it? Would evil men have inspired it? How about good men? Would they have falsely claimed that this was God's Word? God's the one who inspired it. The Bible truly is His Word. So that's why it is the sure foundation we need to hold on to. So that's the first point. The Word of God is reliable. So a reliable document, what would you think of for a reliable document? Well, it needs to be accurate. It needs to be preserved. It needs to be demonstrable. There needs to be evidence that supports it and supported by testimonies. And the Bible is just that. So let's look at the accuracy we would describe the Bible as the inerrant or infallible word of God. Inerrant, infallible means without error or incapable of being wrong. I looked up both of these 
words, and they both had the same definition, inerrant, infallible, incapable of being wrong. That's, that's what you got right here. This is incapable of being wrong. So if you're looking for something you can hang your hat on, looking for something you can hold on to, to tie to, it's this. It's incapable of being wrong. It's true. It's right. It's correct because God wrote it. God is the creator and ruler of the universe and the source of all moral authority. He is the supreme, the supreme being, so his word means something. I would say by definition, God is the one who makes the rules because he's the one who can enforce them. Therefore, what he says goes. His word is the final authority. It is true because it came from the God of truth. Yes. Hebrews 16, or 6.18 says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. What God says is truth. He cannot lie. If something in here doesn't look right, it's likely that we haven't understood it yet. It's likely we have had the wrong perspective, and we may have believed a lie because his word is truth. He can't lie to us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The word inspiration, in this case, means God breathed. This comes right from God himself. Right from inside of him, he breathed it for us. God can't separate from his word. There's too many people who you might find that they give you a word and they end up doing something other than what they said. They might not mean what they say or say what they mean, but not God. His word defines him. If he said it, you can believe it. So the accuracy of the Bible, it is supported by history and archaeology. The biblical names of people, cities, nations, and events have been confirmed through archaeological findings. And one of my favorites is the Dead Sea Scrolls. So in 1947... Two shepherd boys discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls with about 800 manuscripts dating back over 1,000, almost 2,000 years. Included in the scrolls was found a copy of the Book of Isaiah, which is 1,000 years older than any manuscripts previously known and written earlier than 100 B.C. When comparing... When you compare... These manuscripts to what we hold today, like the King James Version Bible or, or similar texts, um, they compared those manuscripts to the King James Version and found that the Dead Sea Scrolls paralleled word for word in more than 95% of the text. That's less than 5% differences, and those consisted of spelling and punctuation variations. So people might say it's... It's changed. It's an old book. Everybody rewrote it. No, it's, it has held the course. It is still accurate. There's also prophecy in this word that has been fulfilled. There's no other book other than the Bible that contains prophecies fulfilled to the utmost accuracy, accuracy since the time it was written. There's over 10,000 predictions in the Bible that we know of 
which have been fulfilled in the minutest detail. In the lifetime of Christ alone, there's 333 prophecies that were fulfilled. And at least 29 of them were fulfilled in a single 24-hour period relating to the betrayal, the trial, the suffering, the death, and the burial of Jesus Christ. How could someone write about all these things in Isaiah, in Psalms, hundreds of years before Jesus was even walking in flesh on the earth, and then going through this 24-hour period where all these things that were written came to pass before the people's very eyes? It can only be God-inspired, the holy word of God. It, the Bible stands out from any other book in the world. Skeptics tell you it's out of date, it's altered, but it's not the case. We've already seen that from the Dead Sea Scrolls and, and other support. Um, Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And Revelation 22, 18 says, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, that if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Anybody know some of those plagues in the book? Yeah, let's, let's not say, the Bible says this and this. Careful. Yeah, let's not add to the word of God. There are people who might put more stringent rules and try to push things that aren't in the word, and that's not right. Nor is it right to just push enough for reasons of our own that don't line up with the, the commands of the Bible. So very important to read the word and to follow it. And I liked what you said earlier, Pastor. If anything I say or we say up here doesn't align with the word of God, just Error on the side of the infallible word of God, because sometimes we make mistakes. <clears throat> when you study how the English versions of the Bible developed, they all started with originals or copies of ancient manuscripts. And from these documents, two significant groups can be followed from how the translations have reached to the Bibles we see today. And those include the Alexandrian text and the Antiochian text. The Antiochian text has led to the King James Version of the Bible, and that was written in 1611, whereas the Alexandrian text has led to the Revised Version in 1881. So those are some two references from the English versions that we might hold today. Now, the endurance of God's Word, it is been translated into different languages. But if you, if you look into it, there was, there was great diligence into this version that we see now. The, the, uh, the King James Version that I talked about was written with extreme detail and harsh discipline for those who were translating it if they would make mistakes. It was checked and rechecked to make sure that going into English, it would be accurate. Incorrect. There's more scriptures that talk about how God's word endures. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And also, 1 Peter 1.25, But the word of the Lord endures forever. 
In Matthew 5, 17 and 18 says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Jot or tittle means the smallest letter or the smallest stroke of a pen. Just the smallest stroke of the pen will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away before that. It reminds me of a story that I had heard of a young man who was living for God and um, was facing some challenges and some people that didn't like him at work, and his car was started on fire, and everything burned up, and he looked in there and found that his Bible was unscarred, un. It was in full repair. I mean, wood burns, paper burns pretty easy. But it was the one thing in his car that had not burned. So God will preserve his word if he wants to. So we talked about accuracy and preservation. Uh, the word of God can also be demonstrated. And I, would, I enjoy just thinking about how it's been demonstrated at LifeSpring. <clears throat> so there are scriptures that have occurred, and we have seen here. Acts 2, 38 and 39 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized in Jesus' name, for, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all them that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God will call. And we teach that and we preach that. And has it happened? We have seen it happen. We have seen it with the same evidence that it happened in Scripture. People have come before God, repented. We have been baptized in his name, and we have seen how God has put a spirit in them, and they have spoken something that they had not practiced before. We have seen healing miracles as well. James 5.16 says, Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Bible says you can be healed. And we have seen that in this church. There are witnesses of people who said, I had pain, and now it's gone. I had this problem, and now it's fixed. That was demonstrated in this house. Also, hearing from God directly, John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. God has spoken to and through people in this church as well. The gifts of the Spirit described in 1 Corinthians 12 has, have also been demonstrated here. So we've seen that what God says can happen, will happen, and they've happened here, and we've seen it. Demonstratable. The other thing that the Word of God is, is supported by evidence. So I've used a lot of Scripture in the Word itself, which is enough. But there are also extra-biblical, which means... Um, documents that have been written that are not in the Bible that also support the things in the Bible. They mention characters and historical facts that the Bible references, and they line up, and it shows that it is an accurate historical document. There are writers like Josephus Flavius, and there's the Jewish Talmud, and the historian Cornelius Tacitus, the historian Gaius Suetonius, and a bunch of other, others that I don't have a great job of pronouncing. But there are a lot of historical documents that have been written that back this word up. And finally, it's supported by testimony. 
The Bible says something very important, and it's personal and true. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. So every human, if they are honest, will admit that they have fallen short to their own ideals, much less God's. So the full truth about the most fundamental fact for our life in existence is only found in the Bible. It's trustworthy. It confirms the truth that we have personally experienced. British philosopher G.K. Chester said, The sinfulness of humanity is the only doctrine in the Bible that can be empirically proved. You can actually prove that this is true. Just take a survey. The Bible is the only book that honestly states that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself and you must have a Savior and God manifested himself in the flesh to be your Savior. So now that we've established this book is reliable, you can hold on to this. It's accurate. It's true. It is what we need. So the main second point is that we must trust it and we must obey it. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So don't just hear the word. Don't just read it, but apply it. I would say you cannot make it into God's kingdom without his word. Humankind wouldn't even be here if it wasn't the word of God in creation. There wouldn't be the earth. There wouldn't be, you know, each of the days of creation, the stars, the moon, the, the animals. Those came from the word of God. So that's why we're here. And he also gave us his word so we could be with him in relationship forever. So this, this word, it shows us how to obtain eternal life. There's a way to evade the second death. But hearing and obeying God's word is required. But you can trust it. In John 1.14, it says, And the word became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What is that flesh? That would be Jesus. We need to believe in that flesh, which is the word. Believe in that word that became flesh. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That everlasting life comes from our faith in the flesh, which is from the word. We need the word. So there's, um, not only do we need it, need to hold on to it, but sometimes we need to know what to do with it. Because this is, this is a powerful tool. If you've ever used any power tools, you can do a lot of good or cause a lot of pain and harm. So there's a lot of power, and there's a lot of benefits, and we need to know how to use his word. So talking about the power of his word, here's some power scriptures for you. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. How is, I was thinking, how easy is it to separate joints and marrow? Those are pretty closely connected. You need something that's very sharp and precise to be able to get between those two things. And that's what his word is, and it's our thoughts, and it separates our thoughts, our intents. It looks into our heart. It finds things and can show us things that we wouldn't have even found without the right tools. Romans 1.16 also says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. And also Jeremiah 23.29 is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Yeah, this is your spiritual power tool that you need. There are so many benefits in God's word, and I have a list of uh, scripture references that if you're interested, I could share with you. But I'm just going to power through these. There are so many benefits of God's word, and it's more valuable than thousands of gold and silver. It is how we obtain faith. It exposes our motives. It grows and matures us. It allows us to be fruitful and to prosper. It gives us prosperity and success. The real stuff, not the, not the Hollywood stuff. It gives us wisdom and understanding. It makes us his disciples he gives us spirit and life. His word cleanses us. His word is a lamp and a light, so you can see. And it also gives us sure footing. So to hold fast to the word of God, we need to know it and we need to put it in our hearts. We need to hold on to it. Get a grip of this and don't let it go. It needs to be in your heart. Take it from here, put it in your mind, Put it in your heart, and it'll carry you to the, to the life God has written in here. Yes. yes. Psalms 119.11 talks about how we need to put God's word in our hearts that we do not sin against him. Also in Proverbs, it talks about, talks about how we need to keep his word before us continually. And if we keep his word before us, it will lead us, it will keep us, and it will speak to us. So how do we use this? How do we use this word? Well, we need to gladly receive it, as it says in Acts. We need to study it, as it says in 2 Timothy. We need to hear it, as it says in Romans. And we need to hide it in our heart, as it says in Psalms 119. We need to meditate on it, as it says in Psalm 1. We need to read Hear and keep it, as it says in Revelation 1. We need to keep God's word, as it says in John 14. Now, the word can be misused as well. So don't take away from it. Don't add to it. Don't reject it. Don't distort its true meaning. And don't handle it deceitfully. There will be those who might try the word of God, and they'll twist it, just like Satan did to Eve in tricking that. So that's why we need to know what the real word says and not to add on to it, not to think opposite of what God intended. So take it seriously. So 
Just a quick summary, a recap of what we talked about. God's word is true. It is accurate. It is reliable. It is everlasting. And we need to keep hold of his word. Hold fast to it. Just like a boat in a storm, you need to hold tight to that solid word of God. Grip it until the point that it grips you and you can't let go of it. Trust it, obey it, and watch it bring new life around you. Maybe we can all stand and, and uh, pray that God equips us to let this word do its work. Lord, I thank you for what you have written. I thank you for taking the time to put it in text so that we can digest it, so we can put it in to our mind and into our hearts. I thank you that you will hold us by your word. I thank you that it is the one source of truth that is reliable, that will never fade in this world where everything else is shifting sand. I pray that we would build our houses on the rock of your word. I pray that we would stand true and that you would do your perfect work in us. I thank you, Lord, for your word and that it will guide us when, when it is dark around us and that you will keep our, our feet sure and steadfast by your word when it seems slippery around us. Lord, I thank you for everything that you've given to us, your word, your spirit, your blood, your name. I thank you, God, for giving us purpose and identity and direction by your word. And we will hold on to it in Jesus' name. Why don't we just pray together that the Lord puts his word in our hearts and make a commitment to do so. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your servant, Rob, bringing us the word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, help us like Job to never depart from it, to keep your commandments. Help us like Matthew to understand that we need to live by more than just the word, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Continue to touch each one of us, Lord Jesus to keep your word and be blessed by it. Lord God, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that you sanctify them in truth that are listening today, everyone that has listened to this sermon that has applied themselves to the word of God over their lifetime, that your word be truth in our life, Jesus. Lord, I pray in the name of the Lord that you do your work in each one of us. How many know his word is eternal, amen? It lasts forever. It's interesting, and I'm not going to preach, I promise. This is not a sneak-a-preach moment. I'm not sneaking a sermon in after Rob's sermon. But it's interesting that when they get ready to study the currency of the United States, when they're studying, studying the original dollar or $20 bill or $100 bill, when they want to find counterfeit money, they don't study any new counterfeit money that's coming out. They don't go from one, oh, did you hear they have this new $20 bill and it, it doesn't have the watermark in the right place and it, and it doesn't have the stripe in it. They don't study every counterfeit that comes out. They study the originals. They study the true currency because they may not know what's different about the, the, the currency that is a counterfeit. They just know it's wrong because it doesn't match the real thing. And what happens when you study the Word of God is you, you don't have to study every false religion out there. There's thousands of religions that have spun off because human beings do that, right? We just create stuff for ourselves sometimes. And, we're, and there's a lot of people that are wrong. It's true because they would rather be, do their own thing. 
I understand that. But what we have to understand is when we're living in the world we're living in, if you know the word of God, you may not know why it's not true. You may not know what's wrong about it really, but your spirit will tell you because of the word of God that you've studied, you will know that's a counterfeit. That's not the real thing. And so when we talk about studying the Word of God, you don't have to go learn every single religion out there. You don't need to know all the points and all the differences and all the changes and and everything that's coming down the road in man's knowledge. All you need to do is study the real deal, the Word of God. And if you know the Word of God in your heart and your mind, every Word of God proves true, the Bible says. And it says He is a shield to those who take refuge in him, Proverbs 35. So every word of God proves true. When you study the Bible, you learn how to prove what is right and what is wrong. And so I want to encourage you today that if you go into this next week, would you spend some time in the word of the Lord? Would you spend some time with your Bible? Would you take on some things? Because the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the, the word of the Lord, amen, stands forever. It's important. Thank you, Jesus, for this service. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for friends being here. Thank you for the word of God going forth. Ask you to bless Brother Rob for preparing the word of the Lord today and give him extra blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 If you want to pray, the altar is open. Take time to put this word into your heart, to just take a moment with the Lord as they sing this song. If not, you need to go. God bless you. We understand. But let's take a moment with the Lord and ask the Lord to help us to invest in the Word of God and put it into our hearts. If you need prayer, we can still pray for you today. Trial and the change. One.